My name's Tim. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's good to have you here. And this is your first time. We are really glad that you chose to be with us this morning. And we hope that you, uh, well, you benefit from being with us today. Uh, you're going to notice you have a bulletin. If you haven't got a bulletin, we'll make sure you get one. Just ask somebody. They'll, they'll get you one. Uh, inside that bulletin is some announcements and as well as some notes that uh, you can follow along in the sermon. You can write, circle, underline words if you like, or doodle. I've even seen doodling done on some of those notes. I don't know what to say about that, but I've seen it. Um, pretty good artist in this church. And then, uh, let's see. Um, you're also, we're, what we're going to do is we have our lesson, and then we'll sing a song, giving a person a chance, anyone, to maybe uh, write something on those communication cards. That's another thing that's in your bulletin. You can ask for a prayer, a prayer request if there's something you want us to pray about, or if there's a decision you want to make, if you'd like to have somebody come by and talk with you some more. You know, just look at the prayer card or the uh, communication card. It's kind of self-explanatory. Check the box, write something down, and, and, uh, and put that in the plate when we pass the plate for our contribution. Speaking of contribution, if you're a guest, uh, we want you to know you're under no obligation to give here at Greater Alton. We did not bring you here, and you're not here to... To give to us, we're here to give to you, and we hope that uh, you've experienced that today. We're in the book of Acts, and we're in this, uh, I think, our third week in the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at Acts 3, if you want to turn there. And somebody may be saying, well, what's the book of Acts about? Well, it's about the Acts of the Apostles, or uh, that's what it used to be called, the Acts of the Apostles. Not all of them, uh, but some of them, uh, and some of their Acts. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a book about the history of the church, I'll tell you what, why don't we look at a clip here and see the book of Acts in three minutes. In my former video, Theophilus, I explained the life of Christ in three minutes. Now I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. After they crucified, Jesus comes back to life and brings out to the apostles. He tells them that they will see the Holy Spirit and the apostles. Jesus takes over. Thank you. 
loses their shyness when they stick around in the entertainment horizon. Yada yada yada. Entertainment. Enjoy it. Paul preaches for so long that a man falls asleep and plummets out the window just dead. The man is resurrected. Paul preaches some more. The man wishes he was dead. He is visited by the Lord and assures him that Paul will testify about it. Paul feels better. Paul is transferred to Caesarea where his case is caught up in red tape for two years. Finally, Paul appears to Caesar and is put on a battleship to Rome to shipwrecks. Paul is bitten by a snake. At last, Paul makes it to Rome. He is placed under house arrest and continues to preach the gospel while awaiting trial. And that is all we know of Paul's story. Somewhere in there, he finds the time to write a few letters. Today, they comprise much of the New Testament. The New Testament is also where you find the book of Acts. The end. I thought that was kind of helpful. Yeah. Do you find that helpful? I found that kind of helpful. You know, <laughs> in three minutes. I wish I could do that in three minutes. All right. Oh, what a challenge. Yeah. If you've got a Bible and turn to the book of Acts, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 3 today. We're going to look at where does God work. I want to talk about that. One of the things you're going to notice in the book of Acts, the Acts men in the book of Acts, uh, that, by the way, next week I'm going to be on Mother's Day. We're going to look at Acts women. So we've got to give some time to the women. So we're going to look at Acts women in, in the book of Acts. But uh, today we're looking at two fellows, Peter and John, that are Acts men in Acts chapter 3. And what I want us to see, I guess, is this first passage. Let me show you this before we read the, read the chapter. I think it's up here on the board. Am I right? Now, look at this, what it says here. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. It says, And there are different ways God works through people, but the same God. Because God works in all of us in everything we do. A lot of stuff in this passage. But I want you to see what Paul is telling the church at Corinth. He's saying, first of all, God works differently in different people. Different doesn't mean sinful. It just means different. Note to self. People may be reaching out to Christ differently. I need to accept them. They're just being different. They're different. It's a different way. I'm not talking about uh, compromising the message or the gospel. I'm just saying they may be doing it differently. But it's the same God that works. But notice he says God works through people. God could could he do everything that could God do everything he's doing today without people? Absolutely. He's all powerful. But he chooses to work through people. He chooses to work through you. And he wants to work through you. In fact, the Bible says here that God works in all of us. Look, look, look. In everything we do. That means everything you do matters. Everything you do is holy. Everything you do has an impact on the world. Your family, your campus, your workplace, your neighborhood, your life. So everything matters. And God chooses to work through you because that's what he decided to do. He could do it by himself, but he doesn't decide to do that. He decides to use you, decides to use me. That makes you powerful. That makes you significant. Because church, if the church doesn't let God work through them, the world is lost. The world doesn't have a prayer. It doesn't have a messenger either. It doesn't have the gospel. Now, here in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, let's read about this. Because usually the, the sermons in Acts chapter 3 are centered around the lame man. We'll talk a little bit about him. But today I want us to focus on are the two Acts men here. The two Acts men being Peter and John. Let's read together here. We're going to read Acts chapter 3 and a little bit of 4. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. 
Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as he did as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, it's, by the way, he isn't holding on to Peter and John because he can't walk. He won't let go of them. He doesn't want them to leave. He likes being with these guys because his life has changed. It says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it's by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. We are, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise you up, raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. And anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you're heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, though your offspring will, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while he was speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Does this Acts 3 sound familiar? Did, could you catch some parallels to Acts 2? Didn't it sound like Acts 2? 
You know, we see the Acts 2 church. We're always talking about being an Acts 2 church, and I'm one of those guys. Well, we need to be an Acts 2 church. But I'll tell you what, I'm getting kind of, I'm kind of interested in the Acts 3 church. I'm kind of juiced up about what I'm reading here with the Acts 3 church. Acts 2 baptized 3,000. Acts 3 baptized 2,000. This church is an amazing place. It's, and, and, and why is it so amazing? Because God is working through them. God is working through them. God works. Where does God work? We see in Acts 3, we see in this passage where God works best. And what I want to do today is, that's what I want to talk about. If God is going to work through you and I, where does He work best? Where, when does He work best? If He's going to work in my life. Now, I know today we've got two different groups of people here. There's some of you here can identify with the lame man. You're stuck in something, and you've been stuck there a long time. This man was lame all of his life. Forty years is probably, he's, he's close to the same age of Jesus. He's been stuck this way for, for 40 years, been brought to the temple, it says, sometime in his childhood, every day, at a gate called Beautiful. And there's a lot of people just are arguing over which gate it is. All we know is there's a gate outside of the temple area. And it's a pretty gate. All the gates were golden and pretty. There happened to be one gate, a, Corinth, a, a gate that was made of Corinthian brass that was called a beautiful gate. We're not sure if that's the one because it's on the edge of the temple courts. See, this lame man could not go in the temple courts because, well, he was lame. You couldn't have, you couldn't have animals or people that had a, a birth defect or were lame or something wrong with them go into the temple courts physically. So you may be somebody that's been struggling for a long time with something. And I want to say to you that, that God wants to work in your life. And He'll work in your life if, if, you'll, if you'll try what, what's going on here. How do I know that? Because God works in the disciples' life the same way. I know there's some of you here. You're disciples. You're Christians. And you want God to work through you. And I want to tell you, church, God wants to work through you so badly. He wants, he wants you to be able to reach your family, your friends. He wants you to be able to make changes in your own life where you're stuck too. Well, where does this, where does this happen? When does this happen? Well, let's talk about where does God work for a second here. The first thing I want you to see in this passage is, here's, here's, if I want God to work in my life, if I want Him to work through me, if I want Him to work in me, God works where God abides. You may say, this is too simple. But you know what I find? The simple things is what I need to pay attention to. Because life gets really complicated. And God doesn't dumb it down. He makes it simple for you and I. And what I notice is something happens when God is in the picture. God works when God is brought into the situation, is what I'm telling you this morning. That's what I notice here in this passage. Look at it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer about three in the afternoon. There were three prayer hours or pre, three prayer sessions during, during the, the day in Jerusalem around the temple. Morning, noon, and evening. And they're going in about three in the afternoon. It's, it's the time for the evening prayers. Now, why is Peter and John going? They're Christians now. They're not even Jewish, but they're going to the temple. Are they going to worship? Are they, why are they going? There's a lot of people around there. Jesus hung around the temple a lot, and he taught a lot of people. Brought his disciples around the temple a lot. So it's possible that, that we're finding out here that Peter and John are at the temple to reach out to people. 
They're here. They're, they're, they're there. And you, I want you to see is that, that they're not going to the temple to find God because God dwells in them. They're not going to the temple to find the presence of God, for they already have the presence of God inside them. We know that next, too. They have the Holy Spirit. So what are they doing there? They're not going there to be in the presence of God. Could it be they're going there to bring the presence of God outside of the temple if God dwells in it? That, that God wants to be outside of the temple where the people are? You know, if God's going to work, He works best around people. Most people don't go to church. Most people aren't even searching for the Lord. Peter and John are searching for people, just like their Lord. And so they're bringing God, the presence of God, into this lame man's life. Look at this passage here. In Acts 3 here, it says in verses 5 through 6, So the man gave, gave him his attention. What, you know, Peter says, look at us. You know, he's asking for an alm. What's, what's an alm? A donation. He's a panhandler. He's become a panhandler. And I know some panhandlers make pretty good money, I, I, what I've heard. Some do. This guy isn't making a lot. He's just trying to get by. He's just trying to get by. And so he's thinking he's going to get some money from these guys. And look what they say. A typical preacher. Silver and gold I don't have. Hmm. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I give you, but what I'm going to give you, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. He's saying, look, I don't want to give you something to get by. I want to give you something that will help you get up. That will literally change your life like never before. What you're used to, this idea of being a lame man for years, being able to get nowhere, you're about, God's about to move in your life. Now, you may say, well, Tim, God is, all, is everywhere already. He abides everywhere. That doesn't mean He works. You say, Tim, how can you say that? Jesus Christ, would you, would you agree Jesus Christ hung around the temple a lot? Could He have seen this man? You know He saw this man if He hung around the temple. Because this man was there every day. Yet Jesus didn't heal him. In fact, Jesus didn't heal everybody. He didn't give everybody... That it was blind sight. He didn't feed everybody. He didn't resurrect everybody. I don't know how you feel about that. You say, well, Jesus is cruel. No. God knows things that we don't. And, and I want you to know, he, he, here he is, though he's around. Though God can be everywhere, it doesn't mean that he's working. I think sometimes what happens, folks, is a lot of times we'll go into our work, we'll go into situations, and we don't bring Christ into it. Oh, God will do it. We'll ask God to take care of it. And God's going, yeah, I am trying to take care of it, Tim. And that's why I've got you in this situation. I want you to bring my presence into this person's life. Well, he could do that by himself. Yes, he could. Acts chapter 9. He knocked, knocked uh, Paul off his high horse. My dad used to say, off his high horse. And he's on his Shetland pony, a little bitty pony. You know, he's he's been knocked down a couple of notches, and yet God did that. Not denying he can't that he can't do that today. But can I tell you, folks, that God primarily wants to use people, use you and I, to bring His presence into their lives. So if God is going to work, 
You and I have to bring him into where we want him to work. Or else he won't. See, I believe God works where God is. You say, well, that means he's... No, I want you to know where, where, we, where he's present, where we put him, where we place him. Look at this passage here in Psalms 119. It says, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of, of, of the God of, of Jacob, who turned the rock into the, a pool, a hard rock, into springs of water. Guys, if you want God to work on something that's tough, I know some of you here, you've got something going on in your marriage, and it's like a rock. It's a solid rock. It hasn't budged. It's very difficult to work with. I think about Pale Rider when they're trying to split that rock. You know, and, and Clint Eastwood's the, the preacher, and he's hitting the rock. He goes, well, let's just keep working. And they find, you know, the rock gets split in half. They finally get, and they find a gold nugget under it. You know, there's some things probably in your life you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can ever get past this. I don't even know if I can even get forward with this thing. You bring God into it, and He changes everything, folks. People of Israel, they're backed up. The Red Sea is churning. Moses is like, what's going on? He goes, well, what are we people are crowding. What's going on? He goes, We're all, we, we can't go forward. I can't go forward. There's, a, there's this water. And there's Yul Brenner and all, all the chariots coming after us. What are, you know, the Pharaoh. And, he, and, and, and they come. We're between a rock and a hard place. What do we do? What do we do? God shows up and a path is revealed. Big old guy. Almost ten foot tall, champion, never been beaten, starts yelling and cussing and throwing out all kinds of threats to the people of of God's army, and little boy David shows up. That's what made the difference. Not according to David. What did he say? He hears it, and he says to Saul, "The God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine." God shows up, it makes a difference. The disciples are in a boat. Oh, the waters are going everywhere, you know. And Jesus is sawing logs. And they're going, oh, it's so broken. They're all running in five. Peter, John, waking him up. Jesus, look what's happening. What's my log? It's on. Hold on, hold on a second. Hits the pause button on the waves. What's going on? There was a storm. We're all going to drown. Well, there's a storm. But it's not the waves. There's a storm inside you, Peter. And it's that storm that you have with your faith. The real storm, the real issue is not the waves. The real issue is you're going to believe me and trust me. Because when I show up, I can work. The same guy who went through this storm sees a lame man and goes, God can do that. He can deal with that. He can work on that. Because I've seen him do storms, calm storms. The disciples are frustrated. They can't find any food. There's 5,000 guys. What are we going to do? And Judas is all getting nervous too. Everybody's getting nervous. But what can you find? We just found five loaves, two fishes. This is all we got. Well, if it was just anybody, I guess that wouldn't be enough. But God is there. God takes... What little we have. What's that song? How's it go? Little is much when God is in it. And little is much when God is in it. God, when God tips the scales, not like this, <coughs> like that. 
when, when God shows up, when you bring God into the picture, this man, this man who could not walk, is all of a sudden not just walking, but leaping and jumping and praising God. You believe that, church? You believe God? When you bring God in the picture, He will work? I'll tell you, you say, man, I don't feel like God's working in my life. Do you bring Him in to the situation? Are you really bringing Him in the situation? Because He works where He abides. It says here in 1 John, but you have received the Holy Spirit. He's talking to Christians here. And He lives within you. He's not in the temple. He's in your temple. He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you all things. What do you say? You say, I don't need anybody. I don't need to read my Bible. No, the Spirit wrote the Bible. That's how He teaches you, okay? You want to read what He says, of course. And what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. Then He says, so continue in what He has taught you. And continue, the King James would say, abide in Him. When God is present... If you want God to work in your life, if you want God to work in a situation, if you want God to work through you, you've got to bring God into the picture, church. Otherwise, He will not work. You see, as a Christian, I look at that verse, and you know what that tells me? What that verse is telling me this morning is, Tim, the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? Yes, Lord. That means wherever I go, I'm present. Ooh. Where you've been going, Tim? Ooh. Because you bring me into that. You mean when I'm at the gas station? Yeah. When I'm at Walmart? Yeah. When I'm at I'm at Tony's restaurant last night, or whether I'm whether I'm you know somewhere maybe a fast food Arby's? Yeah. When I'm home watching TV? Yeah. When I'm in the bathroom? I know some people are interested in this kind of stuff. Yes. Even in the bathroom. I'm not going to say anything, Rachel. I just said, you know, just even in the bathroom. Sorry. He's everywhere. I, he's everywhere you go. He's everywhere I go. I want, guys, listen. If that's true, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple, that is true. If you're not a Christian, he doesn't live in you. You're on your own. Oh, you need to, you need to make Christ your Lord. Because when he lives inside you, that means wherever you go... He goes with you. I don't know what that does for you, but that fills me some confidence. That, that leads to this second. It, it leads me to this second thing about where God works. Not only am I confident and I carry myself differently, I have purpose and, 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 I, and I realize, man, God's trying to work here. I better be sensitive to that. The second thing I notice is God works is where God is anticipated. You see, if I know He abides in me and I'm... And that's why these two guys knew that the Spirit... They just had to give them the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. So they're taking God into this situation outside the temple where people are hurting. And they expect God to do something. Do you expect God to work? Look at Jesus. Look at the words that Jesus uses here. Look what He says here in Matthew. According to your faith... Will it be done to you? According to your faith, will it be done to you? What's he saying there? He's saying, you will get what you expect. If, if you expect God to work a little bit in your life, guess what? You're probably going to have a little bit. 
If you want God to work, like my father would say, a lot of it, if you really want Him to work in your life, He will work in your life. You and I get what we expect. Faith, see, faith is an expectation. Faith is about expecting. Faith, faith is about, it's about looking and, and expecting God, anticipating God to work. See, God works when and where I expect Him to. These guys, you see, look at this now. You've got three men here in this situation. One guy is not expecting God to work. The lame man. What's he expecting? Some money. Boy, if that isn't something to... Oh, if we just had money, that would solve my problem. We give money way too much power. If I just had some money, that would solve my problem. But does money make things better? Well, some things better. But not the root. Not what's at the root of my problem. You can't throw money at that. It ain't going to change anything. Oh, maybe a temporarily change a situation. But what's really at the root is my relationship with God. And, and I want you to know, this guy, is, the lame man's expecting money. Peter and John don't have any money, so they don't expect it to be money. They expect God to work. Look at the passage. They expect him to work. Look straight at him, and he, he said, give us your attention. The guy says, yeah, what? Because look at us. And what's he say? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. I'm going to give you something I do have. And that's God's power. If you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, you have inside you the awesome power of God. We're going to look at this in a minute. We're going to see it in another way. But what I want you to see is that you really have already been empowered if you're a Christian. Well, then how come I live so powerless? Because you don't expect it. What are you talking about, Tim? You put me in a, put me in a shuttle. And, or, and I've never seen one. A rocket. I've never seen one. I get inside it. What is this? It's a rocket. What's it do? You try to tell me. And I'm just, well, this is nice. Don't you know what this can do? What can, oh, you can go up into space. Okay. I don't understand how it works. All this power beneath me that can shove me up, in the, up through the atmosphere, I don't even know how it works. I don't even know how to make it work. I'm not expecting it to. I'm afraid many of us here, we have this awesome, powerful God that just wants to work through us so desperately, but we don't expect Him to, and so we're getting what we expect. What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm saying, why don't you expect God to work? Why don't you start believing God can work? Because according to your faith, will it be done? That's what Jesus said. When God spoke, He said, according to your faith, Tim, it will happen. So what do I do, Lord? You need to believe and expect me to do something. In other words, look for God to work. Look for, his, look for Him to work in your life. Expect it. You, Peter and John are expecting a miracle. Now, I know some of us here, we talk about miracles. Are they really, is there possible miracles here today? Can we get over this and start expecting something amazing? 
you know, in our effort to try to understand miraculous gifts in the beginning, we've kind of taken amazing right off the table with it. Peter and John expected this man to walk. They expected God to work, and he did. How many times have you and myself, we've said God's going to work, but inside we're going, not really. Who knows the heart of us? Who knows what we really believe and what we really expect? We, our words say this, but our heart's expecting something else. And that, friends, is where God looks. He looks at your heart. And if you're, if you're expecting little, guess what? Little is going to happen. You're going to frame and posture yourself in a way where little will happen. But if you begin to realize, guys, the big lie, everybody's talking about lies here lately. Lies, liars, liars, liars. Let me tell you the, the lie that's going around that I'm, I wish we could finally get to the, you know, what are we talking about, Tim? There's been a lie. There's a rumor out. Have you heard this rumor? You can't do it. It's been around for thousands of years. That'll never change. Jesus says it can and it will if you will believe it. Church, we've got to start believing this. We've got, to, we've got to start expecting God to do something. You see, if I don't expect God to work, I'm not going to work. But when I start expecting God, when I start realizing, hey, God's working through me. He's supposed to be working through me. And He's want my presence and everything in my marriage, in my workplace. Why, then something will change if I bring Him into my marriage. Surely it would, right? If I bring Christ and what He says about, about how, to, how to spend money, would I get, have some kind of power into my life where I could, where I could get on top of my money? Absolutely. If, I, if I've got some stronghold in my life, and I'm going, you know what? If God is inside me, I should expect God to do something about that. So maybe I need to work to expecting God to do something about this. God, what do you want me to do? Great question, Tim. Great question. Now you're expecting me to do something. People come over to your house. Go, the plumber comes over to your house. The carpenter comes over to your house. And they walk up and they show up. Boom, boom, boom. Hi, I'm the carpenter. Okay. Have a seat. I've got him in the house. Things are going to work out. No, I'm going to go. He's going to, he's going to say, what do you want me to do? Well, what, what do you need help with? I need you to, I've I got a problem over here. He ain't going to help you until he gets off his duff, right? Until you tell him what it is. And then what's he do? Well, here's your problem. You've got a leak right here. Is, what have you been using to open this faucet with? A pipe wrench? Oh, uh, what are you trying to say? Well, maybe you shouldn't tighten it so hard. Let me give you some ideas. Here's some, here's some ways you can keep your faucets, take better care of your faucets. Yes, Tim, that's a stupid illustration. No, it's not. When you stop and think about it, somebody who knows more than me comes into my life and I never use him. My creator, I bring him into my life and I never tap into what he thinks, what matters to him, because he knows how I tick better than I do. So I bring God into the picture, and I expect God to do something. By the way, when I do that, when I expect God to work, He does. There's a third one. That is, that God, where does God work? God works where He's in authority. Where God works where He is in authority. You say, well, he has a, He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He has authority over everything. Well, listen, I know He has authority over everything. You're right. 
But if you read your Bible, even Jesus didn't perform miracles in his hometown. Wasn't he in charge? When did he have trouble doing something amazing in somebody's life? When he wasn't in charge. Some of you here, man, I wish God would work in my life, but you won't hand him the wheel. He's not really in authority. He's really not in charge. I notice over and over again, Peter refers to the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. You guys ever dropped your name? Denise Davison's here, and, and, and she answers the phone for me. And, and I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You know, a lot of times you guys will come up to me, Hey, Tim, I need a windshield. How much would it be for a sub blah, 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 blah. I'm sitting there going, oh, let me think. It's going to cost you, I don't know. I'm not a computer. Okay? You say, Tim, I've asked you that. You've embarrassed me. I'm sorry. I just, I'm just trying to make a point here. Okay? But somebody will say, I need a windshield. Well, you need to call it in. But tell Denise, I told you to call in. What's that mean? Well, on a typical day, hello? This guy's your like, oh, I always yell from the car. That'll be 300 and some dollars. Really? Tim said, oh, Tim, hold on. That's a little less. Well, he said something about the Londoff price. You really want to get a cheap one. Say, give me the Londoff price. Am I lying? Am I lying? So far, we're, we're, the Londoff. Now, by the way, it's not as cheap anymore. I know which one it is. I know which one it is. I'm getting ready there. So if you, if you drop Johnny Londoff, Johnny Londoff, you drop that name. Wow. Comes down. But if you really want the one, it's the Safe Light Buster. Uh, Tim said something about the Safe Light Buster. <clears throat> You've dropped that name. Safe Light Buster? What's is he crazy or what? That'll be $5. <laughs> Not quite. But, I've been, but if you ask me, now you know. Use your insurance if you can. But if you can't. But you see what I'm saying? We drop names. I've said that before. Hey, you've said this before. You bought a car somewhere. Hey, tell them I sent you. I don't give you a good deal. Really? You know, I, I got lots of power in my name at the office. But if you call in the glass shop, Tim says, Tim who? Remember Andy Griffith? Barney Fife's calling the, some guy. He goes, let me call him Andy. I know him. Hello. Yeah, uh, this is Barney Five. Barney Five, yeah. Uh, uh, it's Barney. Barney Five, yeah. Well, I want to ask you a question. Barney. Barney Five. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, listen. F I. I don't have a lot of pull. My name can't raise the dead. My name, you know, and guys, how many times have we done this? Well, so and so says. So and so says. He says, she says, but you got to remember, those people you're quoting never walked on a bit of water, never come from the dead. you got to remember this. He doesn't say, in the name of Peter and John, I command you, move your little picky. You know, he, he knows. That don't even work. He, doesn't, he knows his name. They know their name doesn't have the clout as the name above all names. I love being in the kids' ministry. We'd sing the song, 
Jesus, name above all names. You know, that's true. It's above all names. And, and Peter and John knew this. See, he's dropping the name of Jesus, not because he's all that, but because Jesus is all that. He's, when he says he drops his name, he's saying, I depend on this name to take care of things I can't. Stop in the name of the law. What's that mean? When a policeman stops us, I'm getting a reminder of another Andy Griffith where Barney has these two guys going to beat him up. And he's looking at the badge and Andy gives him a speech and he goes, look, guys, I know you can beat me up. I'm obviously smaller than you, but this badge represents something bigger than me. So it wasn't it wasn't Barney Fife. And a lot of times we act like Barney Fife, don't we? We are Barney Fives. I'm not saying turn to somebody and say, hi, Barney, but you could. You know, it's we're Barney Fives. But with the Holy Spirit, we're Jesus Christ. We are we are images and replicas of the Son of God because it's not our authority, but his. But his in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And everybody's like, wow. You guys are something. And remember what what's Peter say? He goes, oh, wait a minute. What are you getting excited about us? It's not by our own power. It's not by our godliness. He says, no. And he starts dropping names. It's the God of Abraham. It's the God of our fathers. It's the servant Jesus. It's the author of life. He, he says, you killed the author of life. You think about this. You killed the guy that knows how, knows how to start life. It ain't going to work. If you've watched Iron Man 3 or Terminator, I'm not going to spoil it. The same when you watch those, you see this idea of these guys won't die. It's a movie. Jesus really did it. The author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of that. And he says in Acts 3.16, by faith. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus. I love this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and look at here. And know was made strong. Where does strength come from? Where does healing come from? It comes from God, folks. It comes from God. In the, it's strong. It is, the, it, is, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that has given this complete healing to Him. He's saying we had nothing to do with it. We just showed up and brought God into the picture and let God work. God works, folks, where He is in charge. And maybe God's not where you say, well, God doesn't work like that in my life. Well, is he in charge? Have you get have you let him? Wait, what do you mean by that, Tim? I'll say God works. I'll say it this way. God works where I've surrendered. How about that? The God, it's hard for God to work if I don't surrender. I used to I, I've said this before. You know, I guess if 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 I kind of surrender, God kind of works. I don't think he does. He doesn't work with kind of. 
He works with complete surrender when He's in charge. And church, I just want to challenge you here this morning as disciples. Is God in charge? Is His name above all names? Because it was placed above all names. Look what it says here in Philippians 2. So God raised Him to the highest place. God made His name greater than every other name so that every knee and bow, uh, will bow to the name of Jesus. And look, every knee, everyone in heaven, everyone on earth, and everyone under the earth. Heaven and hell and in between. This name is above all names. I have a question for you this morning. It's a question I've asked myself. And you need to ask yourself this too. Is it by chance that you've let somebody else's name be above the Lord's? You see, when I let somebody else's name be above my Lord's, then they're able to work in my life. But God can't. I'm asking you, you say, well, Jesus, man, he's the name above all names, Tim. I mean, what he says and what matters to him matters more to me than anything. Are you so sure? Because can you think of a name that rivals that? That when you think of a person's name, all of a sudden, you're you're, you're focused on what they think of you, whether they accept you, whether they approve of you, rather than what does God say and what's Jesus say? Be careful. If Jesus is the highest name, and you can say that, what's the second name and the third name on that list? Because, folks, number two and number three are the closest to number one. I have found that I've had some names above Jesus because I worry about what they're going to do to this church and and not be concerned or be focused on what the name above all names could do to this church. And see the difference it makes? When you start thinking about somebody else and what they could do to you, and maybe there's some anxiety, maybe there's some, some turmoil, but then you think about Jesus and you think about His name being above that name, and doesn't it calm you down a little bit? It does me. It, it reassures me. Now, by, by the way, I'm not saying go to somebody and punch them in the nose and say, your name has been above Jesus. <clears throat> no more! You know, you got a cell leader or a discipler or you've got an elder or a preacher. and you're, You know, I'm not saying you walk up to them, kick them in the leg and go, I'm not following you anymore. No, I'm not saying that now. It's just in remembering Jesus Christ is first. And God works. Guys, I'll tell you what, I, I've watched Greater Alton Church over the years, and it works its best when God is first. I've watched him work in marriages. I've watched him work in families. I've watched him work in with strongholds, and across the board, without exception, God works His best when He is placed first. Is He first? Or has somebody else kind of nudged Him out? And you're making your decision about what you're going to do based on a person or the name above all names. I think that's a big deal. Because these guys brought the authority of God into this man's life and he instantly was healed. That to me is amazing. Here's the fourth thing. Where does God work? It looks to me like in this passage, God works where God is adored. That God works best 
when I worship Him, when he, what He thinks matters more than anything else in the world. Um, obedience, guys, is not just doing what He says when He says it. Obedience is just having that obedient attitude that says, I want to please you. You matter to me more than anything else. I know guys, uh, I, I know men, uh, that has been said about men, he worships the ground she walks on. And what are they saying? That woman matters more to him than anything else. Or he worships his car. Well, what do they mean by that? He's over there polished. I know a guy that used to clean his car every day, polished it, got all the dust, dusted the engine. The engine was in perfect shape. It was a show car. He spent his Sundays doing that rather than going to church. He worships that. What's that mean? It's, the, it's on his mind all the time. His schedule is, is, is affected by it, most, you know, by it the most. His plans. His decisions. I just noticed that here in this passage, when God is worshipped, and where do you see the worship, Tim? Well, I could, I, again, Peter and John go to the temple. I don't think they're going there to worship, though. But I do see somebody worshiping. And it's the lame guy. Did you catch that? Peter and John go to help one guy. But the day ain't over. The, the guy walks up, sleeps up. He's walking and leaping and praising God. That's the song I remember singing. He's jumping up and down, high-fiving, going crazy. You know, what would you do? If you had, hadn't walked ever, and you finally had a chance to walk, or you could run, where would you go? This man, it says, he went with them into the temple courts. He finally could go in and not be told he couldn't. He could finally go in. I'm, I'm good. I can walk in here. I'm not lame. I'm not messed up. And he's walking and jumping and praising God. And what happens? A crowd sees this. Isn't that the same guy that's been lame for 40 years? It sure is. And they start running over. What's going on? See, when God is worshipped, God's work spreads real quick. And so as he's praising God, this group comes together. And what I notice is something. Here's what I notice in this passage. And I notice just generally speaking... The wonder of God, the worship of God, and the Word of God come together. That you see people's lives changing. They're worshiping God, and an opportunity to share the gospel comes again. Just like Acts 2. They're all speaking in tongues in Acts 2. Twelve of these guys. One guy. Just one person. One man God works through. And does something amazing in his life. And here comes another crowd. And look what the Bible says here about him. Look what it says here in this next verse. It says, but many who heard the message. You know, these guys were thrown into prison. It says, but many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. Two 2,000 more axemen are added to the church. Because two axemen... Helped one guy. All of us, you know, guys, when God is worshipped, when God is lifted up, God works. Do you worship the Lord? Does He mean more to you than anything else? 
Can you say with David, to be in your court, a day in your court is better than a thousand anywhere else. To be before you, Lord, to have you in my life, well, I will be a doorkeeper if that's all I get to be, just to sit and watch. I just want to be so close. I just want to be near you. Is that, is that, could you say that's what's going on in your life? God can't work. He doesn't work through people who do not worship Him. You say, I come to church. I'm not talking about coming to church. You guys, I, didn't, I don't come to church to find God because I don't because I already have Him. I come to church to help others find God. And yes, we worship in song. Do you find yourself singing during the week? Yes, we pray. Do you pray during the week? Worship is honoring the Lord with your conduct and your character. It says here in Psalms 9, I don't know if it was on the screen. The screen has died. I hope Pat's okay. It says, it says here, let me read this to you. Psalms 9.1 I will praise you. See if you see wonder, worship, and word. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. There's the word. I will praise you, worship. David says this. I will tell, there's the word, of your wonders. There's the wonder. He brings them together. In Psalms 45, 17, in your notes, it says, listen, he says, I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. Church, I want you to know, God will work through you when you worship him. He really will. When you put him first in your life. When you make him the key folks. When you get up in the morning and say, Lord, you know what? Um, I want to please you. That's my number one goal today. I'm going to have moments where I'm going to want to please myself. I'm going to have moments where I'm going to be afraid. But, Lord, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to have faith in you. And I'm going to worship you and make you Lord of my life. doesn't mean you go around looking like an idiot and singing all the time or looking like some religious person. You start speaking like you're from, you know, Alabama. How do you do? I'm God. Hallelujah. You don't, that's not what it's about. It's just about carrying the Lord with you everywhere you go. Because aren't there lame people? Aren't there blind people that need God's presence in their life? Well, He'll work on those people when He works through you. What do you need to do this morning? Do you need to, do you need to bring God into something? I think there was a blank back up there that says, I need to bring God into my... What would it be if you could answer that question? What do I, could I bring God into? Do I need to bring God into my marriage? Do I need to bring God into my workplace? Do I need to bring God into my life, into my habit, into my computer? In, do I need to bring God in, 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 in where I, where, the food I eat, the things I drink? Where do I need to, where do, where do you need to bring God? Because if you'll bring God into that, He'll work. He'll work in it. Are you expecting God? Is it, maybe you need this morning to go, you know what? I just don't expect God to do anything anymore, Tim. You know, it's, it's funny. I've watched people in this church. Those that expect very little think the church is doing very little. Those who are expecting much, they're having a lot going on. They think things are going crazy. It's weird. Campus ministry, I'm talking to Travis Bourne uh, last week, and he says, Tim, I can't believe it. We've had three baptisms in one week. And I go, well, that's great. because you don't understand. I don't think I can ever remember, at least since I've been on campus, that happening. God is doing something. God is working. God is working. 
And, I, and church, I just, maybe, maybe we, are we, do you expect anything anymore or do you expect the worst? You'll get what you're looking for. I think this passage bears, bears that truth. You get what you're looking for. Is God really an authority? Is He the name above all names? Is He the default switch that when you get into a situation where you go, I'm not sure what to do, and Jesus speaks up? You know, I've had people lately, they're saying, you know, I've been thinking about this and doing this, and then I talked to Bob Hawkins. I go, what happened? Well, that changed my mind. And Bob's, I'm going to tell you guys, Bob is wise. He's a godly man. And I want to tell you, you know, talking to him or talking to somebody like that, yeah, it really does something. But Bob would tell you, well, don't take my word for it. Don't, don't, you know, it's not in the name of Bob that your life will change. Will Jesus have authority in your life? So much that he could say, you need to do this. But I don't want to do that. I know you don't, but that's what you need to do. But I'm, I'm scared to do that. I'll be with you. What if it doesn't work? Bubby, have I ever failed you? Well, yeah, you have. Well, wait a minute. When? When I wasn't in authority. Yeah, that's when it failed. Let me have, let me have control. Let me be in charge. Or maybe it's simply, you know, I need to worship God and really just rely on the Lord this morning. We have a prayer card in, that, in your bulletin that gives you a chance. Maybe, what is it you need to work on? Why not ask the people that pray to pray about that? Make a decision today. Let God begin to work through you. Let Greater Alton be an Acts 3 church.